Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Last weekend we started a four-part series called Life Change, and we introduced the idea of developing a plan or a, a pattern or a strategy for life change. The gathering exists for the glory of God through lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're trying to dig a little deeper and ask ourselves, how can we encourage life change to take place more consistently, more rapidly, more fully than it already is? So this plan is actually a a pathway for discipleship here at the gathering. And I think that will be even more evident at the end of week four than it is at the beginning of week two. If we could just get our church, I keep saying to myself, if we could just get our church to enthusiastically embrace and then practice these four disciplines, then I think we'll be well on our way to becoming a disciple-making church. And I'm so glad that Pastor Robert Keats is here with his team this morning, and uh, they'll be here all week. I think that uh, College Acres Church in Wilmington, North Carolina is a disciple-making church. And Pastor Robert has been there for about two and a half years, right? And uh, the ministry is just growing and flourishing and changing all the time. But that's what happens when people get serious about making disciples. Stuff starts to happen. People catch on fire. and, And God is glorified. So what do we need to do? Well, we've said uh, we need to love and grow and serve and multiply in order for us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Love, grow, serve, and multiply. Would you mind saying that with me? Love, grow, serve, and If we can just convince the gathering people to engage in these four opportunities then I think we'll, we'll see even more lives changed for the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So would you please turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 is in the New Testament. Wedged, uh, Ephesians is wedged in between Galatians and Ephesians. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And the first three chapters of this letter to the church at Ephesus The first three chapters, Paul has been teaching doctrine. These first three chapters are full of doctrinal truth. When he comes to chapter 4, he turns from exhortation or teaching doctrinal truth to acting upon the doctrinal truth that we've now learned, which is a common format for his letters. He teaches, and then he says, okay, this is how you put it into practice. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11, is our text this morning. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So last week I said that encouraging people to love God and love people is a good place to start. That's, that's really where discipleship needs to begin. That's really where uh, a multiplying church needs to start, learning to love God and love people. That's discipleship 101. We read last week in Matthew 22 where Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So last week we talked about love. Today we're talking about the necessity of making disciples who have a growing faith. Helping people to grow in faith is the next logical step after they've learned to love God and love people. What happens if you really love God? Well, you, you grow in Him. You, you desire more of Him. So first of all, let's look at the urgency of growing in faith. And here we're looking at Ephesians 4 verse 15. We are to grow up in every way into Christ. Maturity in Christ is here described as growing up into Christ. And it's, it's, it's critical for believers to grow in Christ because of the danger of false teaching and because of the unrestrained temptation of the world. Those two things stand against us every day of the year, every day of the week. The danger of false teaching, we just came through the book of Galatians. It was all about the false teaching that had crept into the church at Galatia. So it's important for us, it's essential for us to grow in Christ because there's false teaching out there and because of the unrestrained temptation that bombards us every day. For example, look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's the solution? Uh, What's the the antidote, if you will, for being carried away with the air of lawless people? What's the remedy for losing stability spiritually? Spiritual growth. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. How many of you read uh, the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis? Uh, It's a a classic masterpiece of religious satire. Great book. And in the book, Screwtape, who is a a highly appointed apprentice of the devil himself, says, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. In other words, it's just a quiet, slippery slope of declension. And, and, And that's why we need to be on guard, folks. That's why we need to take care and be cautious and be vigilant about our faith. Because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
And that's why we need to be on guard. That's why we need to grow. And if we're growing, then we will not be carried away by false teaching. And we will not lose our sense of stability. So grow in your faith, and you will not drift away from God, and you will not drift away from the church. The antidote for the poison of false teaching and the lure of the world is spiritual growth. Maturity in Christ, resilient faith. So grow in the grace of Jesus. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Grow in your faith in Jesus. It's, it's an, there's a sense of urgency about this for the gathering. We want people to love God and, and love others. We also want them to grow in their faith. Next, we have a look at the goal. What's the goal for growing in faith? Where are we going with this? Well, again, Ephesians 4.15, we are to grow up in Him into, in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. In 1889, a journalist by the name of Edgar Nye coined the phrase, a mile wide and an inch deep. How many of you, heard, of you have heard that phrase before? Very common. He was referring to a river found in the Midwestern, Western United States called the Platte. The Platte is a meandering, long river. It's muddy, it's wide, it's shallow, it's got a very swampy bottom. It could not be used as a means of transportation because there's not enough depth. So Nye wrote that the river had a very large circulation, but very little influence. It covers a good deal of ground, but it's not deep. In some places, it is a mile wide and three-quarters of an inch deep. We don't want our church to be a mile wide and an inch deep, right? We want, as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, we want to go deep in our faith and learn from Him all that He wants to teach us so that we can bring even more glory to the Father as our lives take on more change. The goal is clear. We are to grow deep in Christ, to be established in the faith, to be well-grounded, to become mature in Christ, and to bring glory to God. Here I look at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and, what's the next phrase? Established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So he's saying, grow up. Grow up in your faith. It's critical. It's the goal. Look again at Ephesians 4 in this regard. Paul, Paul's been teaching about the church, right? And, and he explains in verses 11 to 13 that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor-teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That last phrase always blows my mind. It's the will of God for me to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Woo! Let me take an hour just to meditate on that. Think about that. Because I, I think I'm a long way off. 
But I'm getting there, right? So are you, as we grow in Christ. So the job description for these gifted people, the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers, is to equip the church for service. But the ultimate goal, the overriding goal, is spiritual maturity. So Ephesians 4.14 says then, meaning when we become mature, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine. Instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Pastor Robert, take that verse back to College Acres. That's our goal. We want to grow to become in every respect the mature body, local body too, not just the larger body of Christ, but each local church becoming mature in Christ. And folks, there's just a desperate need for people to become mature in their faith. Not to stay as baby Christians. You know, I'm sure that you've met people who are 15 or 20 or 30 years in the faith. And you'd think they'd be mature after 15 or 20 years. But the problem is, instead of having 15 or 20 years of experience in Christ, they've got one year in Christ repeated 15 or 20 times. And there's no maturity, there's no depth. They're a mile wide and an inch deep. We don't want that for the gathering. And at this point, you might be asking, well, what's it going to take for me to grow, for us to grow like that in Christ? I want to live like that, but I'm not sure how. I want to love like that. I want to grow like that, but I'm not sure how. So let's talk about the plan for growing in faith. In our plan to love, grow, serve, and multiply, we're determined to create significant opportunities for people of all ages and all levels of spiritual maturity to start growing or keep growing in Christ. We want to provide ample opportunities while keeping things simple. We don't want to over-program people. I've run into people, I've run into friends, and, and maybe you have too, who've said, you know, well, man, when I was a kid growing up, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, Tuesday night was youth, Wednesday night was church family night, Thursday night was uh, worship team practice, Friday night, we sat, you know, every day of the week was consumed with church, and they just get over-programmed, and they go, okay, you know, and rather than cut back, they cut out. Does that sound familiar? So we don't want, we, we want to keep things simple, but we want to provide the right kinds of opportunities for people to grow in their faith and genuinely go deep. We don't want families to get so busy that they, they drop out or, or they burn out. But at the same time, folks, we need to make room for God to work in our lives. And, and that's our goal. Now, I believe that that the best spiritual transformation that occurs in our church often happens in small groups. Uh, I believe that life change happens best in small groups. I really do. I've been part of a small group for most of my Christian life. 
small group of different sizes, different stages, different ages, that, that build community and accountability and fellowship into their time together, study the Word of God and pray together. I believe that life change happens best in small groups, and some of the groups are, are small and intimate. Maybe they're three or four people. Other groups are larger and, 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 quite frankly, harder to handle by the time you get up to 20 or 25 people. Uh, but different ages, different stages for different people. We want to offer appropriate age-level classes or small groups for children from nursery to grade 5 every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We do that now. And there's some exciting changes coming for the, for the fall. We have been offered a little more space in our building so, so that, at, at no charge. So that actually is going to, uh, going to enhance our kids' ministry. And stay tuned for more details. During the school year, we also participate in Awana at Grace and Truth Chapel. They've invited us to come and bring our children uh, to participate in that great program that teaches kids some great truth. Junior high students and senior high students also have an opportunity to meet in small groups through the youth ministry led by Pastor Phil and his team. Last year, a group of young adults met on Monday night and the most recent study they finished off was the book of Ephesians. Reading through the Bible together, discussing it together, growing in their faith. And I think the plan is for that young adult study to continue this fall. We have small groups for women. We have small groups for men. There are several small groups that are co-ed. Some are populated by younger adults. And some are populated by older adults. And some are clearly intergenerational. There's a mix. Mandy Desiro will be heading up a new small group for mops, mothers of preschoolers, that will offer some good support and strong teaching. Brandy, I would suggest strongly that you become part of that. <laughs> At this fall, isn't that great news? Yeah, Seben Morgan number three is on its way. His or her way. We don't sure, we're not sure which yet, no. This fall, we'll also be hosting more precept Bible studies on site for people who want to dig deeper, do some homework between meetings. We have a group of seniors that meets regularly under the banner Second Half Ministries. So, see, we're, we're trying to provide a small group opportunity for people of all ages and all, all stages of life where they have an opportunity to grow in their faith. We're trying to keep things simple as best as possible which doesn't necessarily translate into it's easy if it's simple. There's nothing easy about it. But if we can keep it simple, then we can provide room in our lives for God to grow our faith and we can develop fellowship and, and some good connections at the same time. But there's a price to pay. There is a price to pay. The cost of growing in faith, the cost of discipleship. For her role in the movie Black Swan, Natalie Portman trained with the New York City Ballet for eight hours a day, six days a week, for the 12 months before the filming started. For his role in My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis interacted with disabled patients every day at a clinic in Ireland. Between, during takes for the film, he would remain in his wheelchair and was spoon-fed and carried by staff so that he could just stay in his role. For his role in The Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio plunged in and out of icy waters 
ate raw buffalo meat, and slept in a simulated horse carcass. All the power to you. (laughs) To better imitate Ray Charles, Jamie Foxx wore prosthetic eyelids, leaving him blind for most of each day. And occasionally he was inadvertently left on the set because all the workers and the rest of the crew had forgotten that he was blind. And he also learned how to play the piano parts and lost 30 pounds a week, in a, in a week for the role. To play a drug addict in Jungle Fever, Halle Berry visited several crack houses in New York City. And she got to know the drug addicts and interacted with those drug addicts. And during filming, Halle Berry... You know Halle Berry? She abstained from bathing for 10 days. Pew. (laughs) I hope that we could be at least as serious about growing in faith as these people are about growing into their roles for a movie. Do you think we can? I think we should. The rest is up to you. Growing in Christ is not rocket science, but you have to be invested. I can't do it for you. Pastor Phil can't do it for you. The gathering can't do it for you. You have to be invested in your own spiritual growth. 2 Peter 3.17 You already know these things, gathering, dear friends. So be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people, false teaching, or lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But how? Again, how? 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 Let's be practical, as practical as we can be. Last week, I presented the profile of a loving disciple. I said, he or she loves God and, or loves, and loves people. They prioritize a personal relationship with Jesus. They prioritize unconditional love of others. They understand God's grace. They, they give to the local church out of a heart of love. They give to missions out of a heart of love. That's how... That's a a profile, a biblical profile of a loving disciple. What does the profile of a growing disciple look like? This might be a good place to start. A growing disciple reads the Bible consistently. A growing disciple prays regularly. A growing disciple participates in a small group. They prioritize authentic biblical community with other believers in Christ. They prioritize church attendance and corporate worship. And they understand why and what we believe. You might want to take a screenshot of that if you don't have it in your notes or whatever. So can I ask you something gently? Say, well, if, if you ask gently, that would be quite a, quite a switch, so go ahead. <laughs> Into which of these six objectives might you need to put more effort? 
Which of these six? Could you, would you just choose one? Just even one. And work on it this week. Take a mental note or take the sermon notes home. Or the version event. Whatever access you need, take a picture of the screen with your phone. But work on it. Would you work on it for your own benefit, your own, your own development, your own faith growth, your, your own walk with God, but also for ours? Because when you get better, we all get better. When you get stronger in the faith and, and grow deeper in the faith, we all get better because you're growing. It inspires and invokes and provokes others to, to get growing. May, where do you feel you could use a little push or a little nudge or maybe a, a sharp elbow? Ow! We can talk about growing disciples, but unless we get growing ourselves, we will never produce, reproduce growing disciples. You know, we reproduce after our kind. So if we're just stagnant, apathetic, uncaring followers of Jesus, then that's all we're going to produce. So because of your love for God and your love for others, do something. Spend a little time, a little extra time reading the Scriptures each day and pray about it after you read it. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk. Find a small group in our church. Join it so you can develop authentic biblical community and grow deeper in your faith. Come to church on Sunday. Come to church on Sunday and enjoy the simple worship, passionate prayer and strong teaching of the gathering. Buy a book or two and learn why we believe what we believe as gospel-centered, spirit-led, missions-focused church. So, where will you start? You have six choices. It's like multiple choice. Pick something. And by the grace of God, we will grow. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you please send your Holy Spirit to fill this place once again? Let the Spirit of God rest upon us in power and might. Lord, may we experience the, the kind of life change through the gospel that brings glory to you and makes the name of Jesus even more famous in our city and our county. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.